Hello and welcome. This is a podcast of ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, editor-in-chief of ukraineworld.org. Is Ukraine under Zelensky different from Ukraine during the rule of Petro Poroshenko? What is the role of volunteers and war veterans in today's Ukraine? And where are people with the vision to lead the country? To discuss these issues, I am glad to invite today Hennady Druzenko, a constitutional lawyer, civil activist, public intellectual and volunteer. Good afternoon, Hennady. Good afternoon. Nice to hear from you. Hennady, you're well known for your work and reflections on strategic issues for Ukraine, like Ukrainian constitution or European integration, but also you're well known as a volunteer, very active on Euromaidan, and then during the war when you set up a volunteer hospital. We'll talk about this later, but let me ask, start from a kind of a strategic question. How would you evaluate Ukraine under President Zelensky? In which way it is different from that of Poroshenko and in which way it is similar to it? That is a very good question, Volodya. And let me start from the, some general evaluation. Maybe under the Zelensky, Ukraine became more free country. But it is not because of some inspiration of freedom, but because Zelensky not so obsessive with uh, personal control of the country because Poroshenko he was and is quite successful businessman, lucrative businessman who used to control everything personally. It is not the story about our current president, about Zelensky. And that's why uh, we have more niches, more opportunities to do what some stratas of Ukrainian society want to do or would like to do. On the other hand, the state should be something like an arbiter and some political leaders should be like visionaries who make some general direction of development and of the at least drift of the country. And that is the main challenge and main problem of the new green power in Ukraine, as people say. So that Zelensky couldn't offer Ukrainian society some vision which motivate Ukrainian people and unite them. He came into the power with very vague rhetoric about bad guys and good guys. We need to change just bad guys and corrupt guys for the honest and good guys and everything will be okay. Maybe it could be the message for mature democracy, very stable democracy, when the society is self-regulated, when the tradition of uh, pluralistic uh, democratic society works. But it uh, for sure wasn't the case with Ukraine. Ukraine are still uh, undergoing um, armed conflict with Russians and Russian proxy on the east. Ukraine are still one of the most poor countries of the European continent. Uh, Ukraine are still the country in searching of its identity and that's uh, discussions, sometimes very warm discussions, are still sparkling in Ukrainian society. So we still need some unifying leader, which Zelensky isn't unfortunately. And summarize my short like introduction. There are more really room for maneuver for different part of Ukrainian society under the Zelensky. But because of Ukrainian society quite ill society, which it's really uh, suffering a lot of um, 
challenges and maybe illnesses and things like that, we really need not just a soft leader. We need some leader who could attract and inspire the people. And uh, we see that after the year in the office, Zelensky and his team seems less and less attractive for Ukrainian society. Because what Zelensky proposed or offer the Ukrainians is just a mirror. You could Everybody could see itself or themselves in this mirror. But that is not like a light which you, the Ukrainian societies really need, light into future, light in this dark, uh, which uh, shows some way out, way out from a lot of our problems because Ukrainians are still very unhappy. It was very insightful comparative pool in 10 or 10 plus country performed under the request of yes strategy, Yalta and European strategy, one of the most interesting Ukrainian initiatives sponsored by uh, Pinchuk. And it shows that in the row of 10 countries, which are like a, a fashion making from US to Russia to South Africa, China, India, and some European countries, Ukraine, uh, the dwellers of Ukraine, Ukrainian popula- population is very interesting. It's like a spring. It's on the other uh, one hand, it is most unhappy in this uh, in this line, most unhappy and suffering the current situation, the presence. On the other hand, our hope for the better future is in the very up, in the very top of this list. So I uh, call this yeah, like Ukrainian spring, spring not like a. Uh, part of the year, but spring, you know, we have a lot of energy and still a lot of hope for the better future. Could this work and could this produce a better future is still the question for Ukrainians. And unfortunately, last social polls shows that more and more um, hope and uh, of Ukrainians change it for sadness. And that is a really very sad sign of first year of Zelensky uh, leadership and Zelensky uh, in office. So let's see, the future is still open for Ukrainians, but the room for maneuver became smaller and smaller. And that is what I could uh, really emphasize, that in fact Zelensky already lost fantastic chance, fantastic mandate from the people which he got a year and quarter ago when 73% of Ukrainian electorate uh, voted for them and uh, then um, added with uh, his majority, his personal majority in the parliament and in fact consolidated all possible means in his hand. For sure, s- such a consolidation was called for radical reforms for radical changes in Ukrainian society. But after the year in full power, in the complete every possible possibility from the change of constitution up to change whatever branch of government Zelensky wanted, we see that nothing radically changed. And that is the gravest disappointment of the most people who invested hope in Zelensky and his team.
But you started your um, reply to my question with an interesting remark that under Zelensky you think that Ukraine uh, became more free than under Poroshenko. I would say that this thought is not very popular in, among the, I would say, pro-Western part of Ukrainian intelligentsia. In, in this way, your opinion is a bit different. My second question in this direction, in, in pro-Poroshenko parts of Ukrainian society, the widespread interpretation of events is that Poroshenko was a pro-Western and pro-Ukrainian president, while in Zelensky administration there are some anti-Western players, like people around Kolomoisky and so on, and some milieus uh, close to Russia, like maybe Yermak, the, the, the head of presidential office. Do you share this estimation? Yes, partly I do, but just partly. Because Yermak, the, the second uh, Zelensky team, Yermak and current prime minister, because the first one I know uh, quite well personally, Alexei Hancheruk, who was once my partner on law business. So that is, again, uh, the sign of some eclectic approach under Zelensky. He doesn't have like a strict vision and his own picture of which Ukraine he wants to build up. And so much like a mirror, as I say, say, he tried to find what people want. But that is not about leadership. That is about some secondary reflection. And what do that ordinary people want? The ordinary people want to pay less taxes, have the better social benefits, and ideally or uh, finally work less and be paid better. But that is not about, it doesn't work. It's never work and nowhere works in such a way. So that uh, um, the problem of the Zelensky, his internal empty emptiness, his lack of, as I said, lack of vision and lack of strategy. So he changed people to try to be to be beloved by the people. And that is his inheritance as a popular actor and popular comedian, because you know that the people who play in theater, playing movies, they love the, when people, they like every celebrity, love the people love, that they are addicted by this love. And that the business of the political leadership is radically different because political uh, leaders should take responsibility for themselves and sometimes order and lead very unpopular measures. They far more remind doctors who sometimes just make pain to the patients and not just an artist and celebrity, which should be just produced to say happiness and gladness and things like that. I believe that Zelensky is not pro-Russian politician. If we try to analyze for the Western audience, Zelensky is very market-oriented politician. His success as an actor was built up on his Russian language, which allows him and his team 95 quarter, his artist team, to cover the great, uh, huge market of Russian-speaking people in Ukraine, in Russia, in Belarus, in some Middle Asia state, maybe in some Caucasus state. Uh, By the way, I met 
guy from uh, Kyrgyzstan in the Indiana University last year. And first he asked, what's about Zelensky? We love him. We know him very, very much. And that was a great story to, uh, to rock from the comedian to the presidential office. Anyway, and that is market approach dictate to Zelensky that the bigger market, better than the uh, small market, that the Russian-speaking audience is better than the just Ukrainian-speaking audience. And to be successful, nobody from Ukrainian artists in Ukraine so successful have so much fortune like Zelensky had. And his um, experience uh, suggested him try to make the peace with the Putin. Unfortunately, again, to be popular in Russia like an artist, not the right way to follow to be popular and successful as a politician. Because I believe, I strongly believe, that for Putin's regime, independent, democratic, at least basically democratic Ukraine, is challenged as such. Not because we want just to glorify Bandera or just close the Russian schools or uh, things like that. But because Ukraine, uh, Ukrainians and Ukraine and Kyiv are the symbols of the Russian history and symbols very deeply integrated in the Russian mind, Russian like self-understanding. That's why the very existence of really independent, really pro-Western or pro-European to say free and democratic Ukraine is challenge for not for Russia as such, but for Putin regimes for for sure. And that's what Zelensky couldn't recognize, understand, to radically change his politics toward Russia. Toward Russia, we need just resist, resist Russian offense, Russian aggression, and Russian uh, attempts to undermine still fragile Ukrainian achievements in the democratic developments. Internal emptiness and experience of post-Soviet very successful uh, comedian and actor still dominate under Zelensky. That's why he far more softer as a defender of Ukraine. That was previous president, especially on the last years of his uh, terms in office, I mean, Petro Poroshenko. And that's why pro-Western or pro-nationalistic intellectuals, Ukrainian, so much uh, drastically reacts to some very healthy uh, Zelensky initiatives. Uh, just last uh, example, it was yesterday to my mind, yeah, when Zelensky ordered the full, uh, complete uh, means to uh, just stop to fight. And uh, with some unparalleled uh, measures, with some control from the quarter general, with some observations, things like that. Really, to stop the war, you need to stop to fight. You need to stop to just to fight each other. And that is so logically. If Ukraine want to stop the war, the stop to fight is the first step unavoidable step. And what is, uh, ironically, that was the first um, requirement of the two Minsk agreements, not signed directly, but really ordered by Poroshenko 
and second of them, Minsk of uh, 2015, was accepted, yeah, formally accepted by Poroshenko, uh, who uh, signed the declaration or in support of this Minsk, so-called Minsk II. And the, again, the first requirement was to stop, complete stop of firing on the uh, Ukrainian Donbass. When Zelensky tried to uh, implement this first unavoidable step to the peace, Ironically, again, ironically, the party founded and led by Poroshenko uh, organized the, some protests near the presidential office on Bankova Street. So that is not a, a, an honest uh, politics because in this case, Zelensky again tried to just implement the Poroshenko's agenda. Like in, uh, in some other examples, uh, when we try to retreat our uh, soldiers from the front line on the east, again, ironically, the soldiers near the village Zolote was retreated in the same trenches as it was under the Poroshenko in 2016 after the Minsk II. Could this work? Could this stop the war? That is a lot of uh, doubts and hesitation, at least in my mind, because I know reality on the front line quite well. But at least we should to try, because there is no realistic way to return Donbass territories, uh, occupied territories by our armed force. Unfortunately, still Ukrainian army uncomparable with the Russian armed forces. Still, a Russian armed force is far more stronger and could, if they want, and Kremlin will, to just occupy the next part of Ukrainian land. Another question, the price for this occupation. So, the realistic approach to the Donbass question, to my mind, it's not very popular approach, but I believe that only realistic approach, just to frozen this conflict, try to really to stop the fighting between the uh, sides of this conflict, Ukrainian forces and some still some volunteers uh, units, they are now very small on the East Front, and uh, some other structure like a security service of Ukraine, or National Guard of Ukraine, stop try to fight in and uh, produce something like a Cyprus scenario to say. When we frozen conflict for may- maybe 10, maybe 20, nobody knows. Until the people, a new generation, try to reconsider, maybe re- reunification will be achievement, not the problem for both sides. And maybe, again, like it happens in 2004 in the Cyprus, the occupied territories, occupied in the Cyprus case by the Turkey, decided they want to reunify with the Cyprus Republic. To the best of my knowledge, it was 68% of uh, northern Cyprus population or Turkish uh, Cyprus people uh, who voted in favor of your unification and the recognized Cyprus Republic voted against this reunification. Anyway, I uh, couldn't see any realistic scenario how to return these temporary occupied territories, to say according to the Ukrainian official definitions, into Ukrainian body of Ukrainian current state. 
if we try to do this according uh, to the Minsk agreements, it will be catastrophic for Ukraine because according to the Minsk, we should reintegrate these territories without any radical change in the mind and even government structure of this so-called Donetsk People Republic and the um, Lugansk People Republic. And that will be real civil and danger of real civil war between Ukrainian patriotic forces in the mainland Ukraine and not less motivated uh, separatist forces because neither like a German variant or uh, denazification, occupation, like a, and force it change in the mind and in the structure. Neither to say South Africa scenario of reunification because of some um, feeling that things went wrong and lead it to the deadlock. Nothing like this existing in the eastern Ukraine. So the best possible scenario just to frozen conflict and wait until next uh, opportunities to be back to this uh, to this question, which really divide Ukraine, which produce a lot of uh, turbulence within the mainland Ukraine. Inade, I would agree with you on that, right? But let me just think and maybe say that during Poroshenko rule, it was precisely this strategy. The strategy was to keep an eye on ceasefire, on the security element, and uh, set aside the so-called political element, which was indeed imposed by Putin, all these constitutional changes, the special status, the local so-called well, the so-called elections on these territories. But the problem is that Zelensky jumped in this, this trap and started this, you know, thinking and doing and saying about this political element. It seems that he's coming back to kind of maybe Poroshenko line, right? Yeah, indeed. There was, in fact, two periods in Poroshenko uh, presidential term. It was the first after the catastrophic Ilovaisk and then Debalco when the Poroshenko tried to be peacemaker. It was, by the way, it was his uh, agenda when he just was the member of this presidential campaign. And do you remember he promised to establish a peace or, or renew the peace by some couple of months? And the uh, late Poroshenko was really very nationalistic, very, to say, patriotic in his rhetoric, but he was again unhonest. He wasn't honest because on the one hand, he says that we need to build our army, we need to be strong, we build up one of the strongest armies in the Europe. But on the other hand, he, until the last day in office, he reiterated that there is no alternative to Minsk agreement. But Minsk agreement about the reintegration that Donbass uh, occupied Donbass territory in Ukraine without any changes. It's like you just uh, take the uh, cancer which was out of your argument and try to put it in. That is scenario of the catastrophe. And that is a lack of integrity in his position was, to my mind, was one of the cause of his fault uh, in the presidential election, because you couldn't say that the Minsk is the right agreement, but you want just uh, to return uh, back your land on your own conditions. I think he was in a very 
kind of ambiguous situation because on the one hand, everybody understood that Minsk agreements taken literally is a disaster for Ukraine. On the other hand, denouncing Minsk or saying Ukraine should leave Minsk agreements will be also kind of very problematic for Ukraine because European sanctions, American sanctions were linked to Minsk agreements, etc. So it's, it, it was a kind of a, this cunningness, probably, an attempt to go in between these two very bad scenarios for Ukraine. But let me now go from uh, political issues because we, we talked to the radio for half an hour about politics and I wanted to ask you on many other things to volunteer issues, to issues of social uh, issues in Ukraine. You're part of a big Ukrainian volunteer movement. You're very known in Ukraine for this. You're one of the founders of a volunteer hospital, uh, the Mykola Perohov First Volunteer Mobile Hospital, which helps a lot to save lives of Ukrainian soldiers on the front and is also active to help Ukrainian medicine during COVID-19 pandemic. So how would you define the role of the volunteer movement today? Is it on the rise or is it in decline? What do you think? Unfortunately, there is no doubt that uh, volunteer movement on decline uh, from them maybe 2015. Unfortunately, uh, and that is just reality of the life, c'est la vie, as French people say. During the Revolution of Dignity, first and maybe part of the uh, second year of the war, a lot of people, a lot of businesses uh, would like to donate to the volunteer movement because our strength is our motivation. For example, our 500 or medics and paramedics who was involved in different time in the first volunteer Perogov hospital was very motivated people. But on the other hand, to provide any volunteer activity, you need some sponsorship from the outside, because volunteer, unlike volunteers, unlike the businessmen, are not structured in such a way to get money from their own activity. And if I compare to, say, 2014, when we started and launched our project, 2015, this Last years, 2019, 19, 2020, that is two big differences. Still, we have a small group of Ukrainian medics on the front line who are integrated in the military units. It is, unfortunately, since this launch of the Joint Forces operation in 2015, our medics are, to say, semi-legal in these military units, unlike it was before that, during the so-called ATO anti-terrorist operation, when we were were fully recognized and implemented in the Ukrainian forces. So that it is uh, just answering in short on your question, for sure that uh, Ukrainian uh, volunteer movement in decline now. But what is the good news? Ukrainian society have this memory, memory about its capacity when uh, the great danger came, how they could unite and organize itself apart from the state structure and sometimes far more effectively than state uh, structure, state institution, and authorities. And that memory, it's really some of our great assets. Uh, in the case of coronavirus this spring, or possible case or ne- of 
next Russian attacks, which possible uh, this fall. Uh, I believe, uh, I strongly believe that Ukrainian society again could uh, organize itself, put back a lot of things which divide us now, us, I mean, volunteer and veterans community, and produce something like we remember on the Maidan and on the first years of the Russian aggression when volunteer battalions, volunteer medics, and a lot of like a classic volunteers without arms in their hands really stopped this attack and uh, broke the Putin's plans maybe to end Ukrainian independence and Ukrainian independent statehood. You spend a lot of time on the front line. You know many veterans. So what what do you think, what is the role of the veteran community in today's Ukraine? Can we talk about the veteran community as such, or is it too diverse, too divided? Because, I mean, there are people, of course, very active. There are very brave people. But there are also people with uh, radical ideas, maybe with far-right ideas. So do you think this veteran community is able to play a positive or negative role or whatever role, because strangely enough, after six years of the war, veteran community is not politically organized. So there is no political force that would say, well, we were formed on the front line. That is, you raise it very, very interesting question. One of the, I uh, um, think about for a long time. On the one hand, that uh, veteran communities and very close to it, volunteer community, which uh, I intertweeted, are still most uh, real, uh, trusted by Ukrainian society. And that is one of the phenomena, very interesting during the years, 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 that people trust veterans and trust volunteers far more even than churches, than uh, civic organization, and especially than uh, state authorities. Just one exemption is uh, the armed forces, which very close to the volunteers and uh, veterans. On the other hand, you are uh, completely right that veterans with this fantastic unparalleled trust of the society hasn't produced any political movement. Why? Maybe some of the volunteers and veterans still believe that the politics is very dirty business. So they want to be apart from the politics. I know a lot of people, uh, very good people, very brave people who really uh, believe that politics by definition, uh, dirty things. On the other hand, uh, unfortunately, uh, veteran community to say, uh, hasn't produced some uh, charismatic leaders who could unite people with this very special war background. And we see as part of the community very emotionally support Peter Poroshenko and others don't like him, sometimes again uh, quite emotionally don't like him or some sometimes hate him, uh, blame him in a lot of failures of this war. And this question for me is still open. Why with such a people's mandate veterans and volunteers couldn't structure themselves in some influential political movement and political forces. But maybe the answer is very simple, because veterans is just a 
mirror of the our societies. Our society is very diverse by language, by culture, by economic status of the people. And that's why uh, when the people return to the peace, to the civic life, they try to find their place in this political environment or more general environment according to their basic values and uh, like a basic experience apart from the war. On the other hand, they really people, at least some basic trust to each other still exist. And if situation in the East Front will be worsen it, I believe that veterans could quite quickly uh, find each other, organize some supper to the armed forces, and maybe volunteer battalions. Again, it would be needed. And that is our assessment. But again, in, as a political forces, unfortunately, for me, it's very, very clear is that unfortunately, veterans movement hasn't produced something like to say... Uh, Ataturk heritage in uh, Turkey or something what the uh, veterans produce in some other countries where they was as, as well so trusted by the population. It's very interesting that you mentioned Turkey in Ataturk because it's indeed very interesting that um, Ukrainian military are not a political force. Contrary to some other countries, you mentioned Turkey, we can mention Egypt, for example, in which traditionally military are a political force. And ironically, this is a quite ironic thing because we all remember that Russian propaganda was saying about post-Maidan Ukrainian authority uh, used the term junta, which meant that it's like Latin American, uh, you know, military coup d'etat, and these are military people who are seized the government, whereas Ukraine is everything except junta, because uh, military don't play a political role. What is indeed instead interesting, and I would gave this estimation, and I would like to hear your opinion on this, whether you agree or not, is that we see the increasing power of law enforcement services of police, of prosecution office, of judiciary power, they're becoming more autonomic, uh, they're becoming more independent uh, from, you know, power vertical, and it seems that they form to build a country within a country. So they can survive all regime changes, and we can see, for example, the, the, the personality of uh, Interior Minister Avakov, who survived the change between Poroshenko and Zelensky, and now seems a person who, in, in many aspects, is really ruling the country. And they can convict people they don't like, like Sternenko, activist Sternenko, or the so-called killers in the Sheremet case. I know that you are also very active in, in showing the, the fraud, the fake nature of these investigations. So what do you think? Do you think that Ukraine is really governed by these law enforcement mafia or law enforcement circles? That's a good question. That, first of all, I want to agree with you that democratic coup d'etat, to say that is now a fashionable term, uh, it's still uh, rather impossible in Ukraine. Maybe it's a heritage of the Soviet era when the military people was contained in the barracks and quite successfully in the Soviet period. And still, we don't have so prestige in military uh, service as, for example, 
as you mentioned, in Turkey, in uh, Egypt, in some Latin uh, American countries, and maybe before that, in we could uh, remind this Portuguese example when, in fact, military played the leading role in democratic transit in the middle of 1970s. Anyway, and you are completely right that the judges, prosecutors, policemen are far more influential and maybe security service of Ukraine, internal uh, in law enforcement bodies are far more influential in fact. They are not trusted by people, they are not respected by people, but in fact they have far more power than the military people do. That is again that some heritage of the Soviet era when the KGB was very influential to balance influences of the KGB. It was very influential Ministry of Internal Affairs. And now we see that post-Soviet picture comparable with uh, our neighbors, unfortunately comparable with our neighbors. Uh, our luck and our happiness that we still have some separation of power. Still, as we compete with the police force and with some other, uh, like the judges, uh, community or mafia. But what the problem is, I think that it was premature implementation of the Western model in the Ukrainian society. Without any strict sustainable democratic tradition, we invested a lot of trust, first of all, in the judicial system. And that is was a tragedy, because Ukrainian could change political leadership and change it a lot. Even the so strong and criminal uh, Yanukovych presidential uh, term was cut off by the revolution of dignity. But uh, we couldn't change judges. And judges under the soft president, uh, like Zelensky or like Yushchenko, became really unleashed uh, and very influential and very rich judges. What we see now in the courts, that is picture or story which undermine remains of trust in the judicial system. I visited a lot of trials in the Shermet case when um, our uh, fellow veterans are accused in explosions that journalists whom they didn't know at all. And sometimes when I present on these trials, I remind Kafka and Orwell, because black is white, truth is what some, something like. Any persuasive evidence, any well-grounded documents, any cohesions in the proofs, but judges again and again decided that our fellows, veterans, and some of the accused people in the Sherimet case, I know quite well personally because they are veterans of our volunteer hospital. I mean, rock musician, Riffmeister of Andrei Antonienka, who spent two months like a driver of the ambulance in the front line uh, as a member of the, uh, our hospital. So that it is deep state, to say in quite fashionable American term, that deep state is very dangerous because it isn't accountable to the society. Okay, we could make wrong things again and again, but in the democratic logic, at least we could repair this, our mistake, 
like sometimes the price is very high, but we repair like it was under Yanukovych regime, like it was before and after that. We change our power and we punish at least from the political uh, logic point of view, presidents, uh, party leaders who betrayed the electors or who lead in the wrong way according to the society, the country and the people. But when we speak about the judges, about the law enforcement agencies, we see that they are unaccountable and unchangeable. Last time they became really dangerous for society. What uh, at least some cases like in Kagarlik when the uh, woman was brutally uh, like tortured without any any visible cause, like in the Krive Ozera when the guy was just shot by the policeman with his uh, friend, former policeman. And unfortunately, unfortunately, this led to the conclusion that Ukraine and the danger to uh, transforming the police state. That is the worst scenario for Ukrainian people because it's demotivated to fight for Ukrainian independence. Because if we have two police states near us, Russia and Belarus, both of them more successful, more stable, that the uh, like uh, salary is more attractive, road is better built, and so on and so forth. If we lost our freedom, nothing motivates people to defend our independence. And that's why uh, I think Avakov and this Avakov strength uh, to say this is really a huge challenge for Ukraine. In such a way, Russian world, or at least values of the Russian world, attacks uh, us from the inside. And that is really our fundamental differences from the uh, country we fight again. So uh, we need to, uh, by any means, but by any means, to preserve our basic freedom, our basic democratic procedures, and for that we really need to stand against uh, offense of the police state. Uh, I hope, I hope that Ukrainian people, with our experience of Tumaidans and this war, anti-Russian war, we could succeed at least to stop this offense on freedom within our own state. But again, let's see, you are totally, completely right that uh, to host visible leadership like Zelensky, Yanukovych or other one, it's far more easier than to host from the office like a deep state to say. First of all, judges, most of them survived after the Maidan and the great demand of the society for the radical change in the justice system, because now it's became, in fact, a justice system. Maybe you'll let my last question. You often criticize Ukrainian leaders for their lack of vision, but truly visionary people find it hard to enter Ukrainian politics. They lack finances, they lack media resources, they want to stay away from politics. So do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? I hope. Uh, I hope, you know, I live uh, between the hope and disappointment because you are, again, completely right. It is very difficult for visionaries, for intellectuals, to become a, at least well-known politician or well-known uh, figure, not in the 
comparatively small society of Ukrainian intellectuals or Ukrainian activists by for large public. But on the other hand, we still under the challenge to find our founder fathers, because unlike um, America, which I really love, uh, unlike South Africa, Ukrainian couldn't say that some great people just found new Ukrainian state. If you compare our attitude toward our former presidents and, for example, attitude of South Africans toward Mandela or Americans toward like Washington, uh, Madison or Roosevelt, maybe, that is great differences. We need to found... uh, to lay down foundation of the stable and sustainable Ukrainian state, we are doomed to find some people with really visionaries. Yeah, really visionaries who could at least to find the place or propose or offer persuasive vision of Ukraine with Ukrainian place in this very difficult and very unstable current world. Without this foundational period, we always will be like a fragile democracy, emerging democracy, and since uh, under the question to be or not to be, unfortunately, question without like a final answer, at least uh, for our neighbors and sometimes for Ukrainian people as such. That's why I hope that that is foundation of my hope, that Ukraine have no different options. It should find its own like a founding fathers or like some author, I like this expression, say founding brothers because there was really great team of founding brothers in in America, in other countries or in Poland we could see the solidarity movement to really start from new beginning. The society feel very clear that new beginning really happened in Ukraine, not like something between USSR and some uh, vague future, but new beginning, new foundation, new start, which really needed uh, needed for Ukrainian society and for Ukrainian people. So maybe the logic of survival at least push our oligarchs, our owners of the big media to look for not short-term success, but very survival not just Ukrainian statehood, but they're assessed as well. Because if we see logic of 10 last year of Ukrainian most successful, most powerful, most uh, rich people, it is very clear uh, conclusion. Without success of Ukrainian state, they couldn't be successful. Uh, they became pure and pure because Ukrainian, they assess in Ukraine cost less and less. So I hope at least some of them could understand and should understand. They not need some purpose, uh, which plays a short-term interest, but they need some people who could lay really solid foundation on Ukrainian statehood, which grant or offer Ukrainian oligarchs as well far more better promises for the future. Thank you so much, Hennady. Thank you for this conversation. We remind our listeners that we had Hennady Druzenko, a constitutional lawyer, civil activist, public intellectual and volunteer. We talked of so many subjects from Ukrainian politics to volunteer community 
the role of veterans and uh, the lack of vision in, in Ukrainian society. This was uh, a Ukraine World podcast. Ukraineworld.org is a website in English about Ukraine. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud. Uh, my name is Volodymyr Yonmolnk. I'm editor-in-chief uh, of Ukraine World podcast. I was assisted by sound editor Oleksii Soldatov and social media editor Maria Sedenko. Stay with us. Thank you.